watches, and whiskey. Do I have your attention? <laughs> this is Jonathan Geller at D. Geller & Son Jewelers, and we're celebrating summer and Father's Day with something we've never done before. This Saturday, we'll have Atlanta's biggest and best selection of new and pre-owned Swiss watches under each of our roofs. We're talking fan favorites like Tissot and Omega, showstoppers from Rolex, and it gets better. With help from Old Fourth Distillery, we're providing complimentary whiskey tastings while you browse. It's this Saturday, June 8th, in all three D. Geller & Son showrooms. Learn more at dgeller.com. But let's head out right now. On the Loud Security Systems Newsmaker line, you hear him as part of the Braves Radio Network. Does a great job here on 680 The Fan. It's good to hear your voice, K-Mac. How you doing? Guys, I'm doing well. I, I miss waking up uh, first thing in the morning with you every day. But Thank fortunately, I get to listen to the show because... My little daughter, Mia, has been waking up at like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. So I'm wide awake when you guys start the show every day. How old is Mia now? (laughs) Uh, She's almost four months. So we're in that fun little uh, four-month sleep regression thing where she went from sleeping all night to not sleeping at all. So Mm -hmm. we've uh, flipped the script. So, yeah, it's it's gone quickly. But uh, we're, we're just in survival mode here these last couple of weeks. I was going to say, let's get her a meter. Go ahead and put a meter on her. Since she's getting up and listening to us every morning, we'll we'll help us out with the ratings and everything else. Uh, Kevin, obviously a sad day for Braves Nation yesterday. Don Sutton passing away. We kind of knew it was coming. One of the great things I'm getting from everybody this morning is all the stories behind with Don Sutton. Give us one of the great stories that you have just sharing some time with him. Well, you know, I think the one thing that really stands out to me, I was, I was thinking a lot about this last night once we found out that he had passed away, was, you know, you can, look at, you can look at numbers, you can look at his baseball reference page, you can see all the things that Don accomplished throughout the course of his career. But the one thing that really stood out to me was a conversation I had with him uh, many, many years ago. I started here in, in 2012, and, you know, coming down to Atlanta, was, I'm, like, Man, I'm going to be working with a Hall of Famer, working with Don Sutton. This is awesome. Um, and, you know, he, he sat down and we were talking one day and he told me, you know, I never, ever in my career missed a start. And I said, wait a minute, you never missed one start with an injury or, you know, sick or anything like that. He said, no, he said, I never missed a start in the regular season, but I never missed a spring training start either. And I said, why, you know, what was your, what was your thinking? What was your rationale? And he said, well, my thought process throughout the course of my career was if I was to miss a start, there's going to be somebody else come in behind me and they're going to take my job and I'm going to be out of a job. So I thought that, you know, it was really interesting, the work ethic that he had that, you know, he never took a day off. And that that started day one of spring training. You know, guys get blisters. They get sore elbows, shoulders, backs when it comes to pitchers. Um, They have to miss time here and there. But the fact that he never, ever missed a start, I think, speaks really to, to how devoted he was. Um, you know, to, to his craft and to trying to be one of the best pitchers of, of all time. And I think the other thing that really stood out to me was uh, when he when he talked about his off-season job. And there's a lot of folks who probably don't know about this. Uh, but, you know, back in, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, players had off-season jobs. They didn't make they weren't making the money they made these days. And he was a country music DJ <laughs> in Southern California. That was his off-season job. And, you know, he would always joke about it that, you know, the hotbed of country music being Southern California, California but, but he loved it. And I thought that that was really interesting as well. I mean, again, a guy that he was just so devoted to being one of the best pitchers of all time. And, again, when you compare his numbers, uh, it, it's hard to argue he's not up there uh, with, uh, with the greats that we've ever seen play this game. We're talking to our truest Braves reporter via the Loud Security Systems Newsmaker line, Kevin McAlpin. Uh, what do you think made him such a good broadcaster? You know, Finn, I think his ability to relate to his audience um, was, was really, really remarkable. You know, here in the South, he had a lot of fun 
uh, whether it was talking about a little small town in southern Mississippi or Alabama, he would he would always point out something about that town. He knew things about it. And I think that the listeners in those markets could relate to Don very quickly. You know, it's, it's not easy uh, to go from being a professional athlete and making that switch and going right into broadcasting. And I think that Don made that look really, really easy. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge. And again, I think his personality, um, he had fun. I don't think he took himself overly seriously when he was on the air. You know, I think about some of the, the times you'd hear him do a read, uh, you know, coming back from commercial and he would, uh, he would fumble all over it. And he'd go, Let me start that over again. And he'd, you know, he'd, he'd do it again and he would poke fun at himself. So I think that was a big thing. I mean, he, he was serious when he was on the air, but I don't think he took himself too seriously to the point where, uh, you know, he, it, it got uh, overly stressful for him. He turned that microphone on. He had fun and, and he loved talking about the game that he loved so much. Kevin, uh, something that jumps out at me, you know, he was such a foodie in the wine. And I was telling these guys yeah. that when we were on the road, he would be like, all right, here's the restaurants for whatever particular city, knew everybody, and then just to sit uh-huh. down. And a lot of times we would go grab a cocktail or whatever it was after the game. And I'll never forget, no matter what the pitcher, I mean, obviously your big names, uh, your, your Smolter, Glavin, and all that, but how he was so in awe and he would tell you, those pitchers are better than I ever, ever was. Did you see that as well? He was just so in awe of the talent. Yeah, and I, I think, Sandra, that's the one thing that, you know, he, he'd love to, uh, you know, let them know how impressed yeah. he was. I mean, I, I, I sat right behind him on the charter for seven seasons. And, you know, if someone had a big game, if someone pitched well, if Freddie Freeman had a big home run, uh, when they're getting on the plane, he would grab their uh, grab their arm when he would walk by and say, "Hey, man, you know, great job with this." Or, you know, if it was a starting pitcher, especially the younger guys. And I think you saw that with uh, whether it was a you know a Max Fried or even Mike Fulton Nevich when he first came up, or some of the other young pitchers, Julio Tehran, those guys. Uh, he would always try to give them a, a little bit of a, of, you know, a, a pep talk or words of wisdom, or you know, he would do that if they didn't have a good game either. You know, if, if someone got hit around a little bit. He would grab him and pull him aside and say, look, you know, shake it off. You got another chance in five days. Go out there and, and, and get back on track. So, um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, his ability to relate to the players, um, you know, it, it was, he was very, uh, very personable. Very, but, but, but he did that, Sandra, without overstepping his boundaries, right? He didn't want to, uh, you know, take over and, and you know, be uh, stepping on the toes of the pitching coaches or anybody uh, on the, the actual coaching staff. He wanted to let him know what he thought, but he did so in, in the right way. And, um, you know, again, he always tried to build those guys up. And, and you're right. He was, he was always uh, really impressed with the talent level that he saw these days because, um, you know, again, we, we've talked about it. Guys are bigger, stronger, faster uh, than they were when he was yeah. playing. So um, I think that he was uh, very much in awe of a lot of these guys and their talent. We went on and on about just how he treats people behind the scenes and our whole radio team of you guys. Can you just speak to that a little bit, how he treated everybody the same. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Sandra. There was so many times, whether it was spring training or whether it was during the regular season. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, guys. When the schedule would come out in August or September for the next year, I'm pretty sure Don was already on the phone making his dinner reservations <laughs> for cities we were going to get to in time to have dinner or days off on the road where he knew – hey, we're going to be in Denver, we're going to the broker for dinner tonight, or we're in Chicago and we're going to Lowry's Prime Rib. I had a chance to go to a a couple of just tremendous dinners with him and really just, you know, not do a whole lot of talking, just sit there and listen, Uh, listen to him tell stories. And I'll tell you this much, guys, 
the one thing that he hated more than anything was that 100-pitch count. My goodness, he would always joke, hey, that guy's at 99 pitches. He's about to turn into a pumpkin. You better get him out of the game. Um, he could not stand the new way of, uh, of the 100-pitch limit. That was something that really uh, got after him a lot. But you're right. I mean, he would take the crew out for dinner at the end of the season. And, and no one ever touched the their wallet. No, Don, no. Got the, Don would insist. You're, he's picking right. up the bill. And, and he would tell you, get the bigger steak, too. He would yeah. say, don't get the little one. Don't get the, you know, don't worry about it. I got it. I got it under control. So, yeah, he, he always took care. And I think that was a big thing for him was uh, making sure all the folks who don't get a lot of, of credit and a lot of recognition for what they do behind the scenes, uh, making sure that they got taken care of. That was, that was a big deal for him. And, and he certainly took care of his crew over the years. Kevin McAlpin with us via the Loud Security Systems Newsmaker line. You know, I look at his broadcasting career and I go back he apparently started with the Dodgers and the Braves at the same time. Any reason, do you know why he chose to stay on TBS with the Braves? Uh, I don't know that for sure, but I can tell you this much. I do know that the relationship he had with, with Skip and Pete was a big deal. I think he really liked it here. Uh, you know, I think a lot of folks forget he went up to Washington for a couple of years and called national games and then came back to Atlanta. I just think Atlanta was, was such a big deal for him. Uh, he, he liked it here. He loved the South. He's, you know, he's a Southern boy, and I think that uh, that meant a lot to him. So I don't know specifically, but I can just tell you those guys had just an amazing relationship. And, uh, boy, the stories that uh, we probably can't can't tell most of them on the air that that's a that'd probably be a, a, a day for uh, doing a couple of podcasts and and going through some of those for uh the the older audience if you will but um man those those guys definitely had their share of fun i'll just i'll just put it at that <laughs> kevin we are what about 26 days away from spring training and the braves still have some questions i got to ask you one braves question while we're here what are they going to do to fill out the order now as you potentially could be without adam duvall he's not coming back and marcelo zuna who's going to fill out some of that power yeah I, you know i haven't completely closed the, the the book on on marcel i mean i know that i read something this weekend that uh it's, it's doubtful he's going to return but i still think there's a chance i really do um but you know i think that what you're seeing now you're starting to see a flurry of activity right you're starting to see the big names come off the board that we were waiting for the springers of the world going to going to toronto you know you've got some of the other big names are, are starting to move so i think the next couple of weeks are going to be busy. I'll just say this. If it's not Marcel, I think they fill that need via trade. Um, I just don't know what other names are available on the free agent market that would be, you know, enticing and, and would, would make that happen. So I've said this before with Ben on the clubhouse report, and we've, we've talked about this a lot. If there's one thing I've learned about being around Alex all these years is that, uh, you know, we could throw all the kinds of names out there that we want, and it's probably going to be somebody that none of us have ever mentioned that, you know, they, they get via trade. So that's sort of where I'm looking. If it's not Ozuna, I think they find that uh, way to fill that spot in the lineup and probably left field as well uh, via trade. So that's, that's sort of what I'm keeping an eye on. But, again, I have not completely ruled out Marcel. He's in the prime of his career. Yeah, is it going to be $60, 70000000 million? Probably for four or five years. But guess what? What I saw from him last year, he'd be worth every single penny. And the fact that the DH is more than likely going to be back to stay coming in next season, I think is huge. So, um, you know, he could, he, I mean, he, he took to that role. I mean, it was, it was a seamless transition for him. So, um, you know, again, I, I think that if it's not Marcel, it's probably not a free agent. It's probably someone they acquire via trade. Well, Kevin, enjoy what little bit of sleep you have. Cause you got about a month, a month <laughs> and a half left, and then you're going to be joining us every morning. Looking forward to it, guys. Appreciate it. 
watches, and whiskey. Do I have your attention? <laughs> this is Jonathan Geller at D. Geller & Son Jewelers, and we're celebrating summer and Father's Day with something we've never done before. This Saturday, we'll have Atlanta's biggest and best selection of new and pre-owned Swiss watches under each of our roofs. We're talking fan favorites like Tissot and Omega, showstoppers from Rolex, and it gets better. With help from Old Fourth Distillery, we're providing complimentary whiskey tastings while you browse. It's this Saturday, June 8th, in all three D. Geller & Son showrooms. Learn more at dgeller.com. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.